0: the greatest movie of all time is never late. Nor is it early. It arrives precisely when it means to. Today on the show, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Rick
1: Barrasso, and I, your co-host, Derek Wreck-Smith,
0: we're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. And this week, we have a special guest, Derek. Why don't you introduce him?
1: This is my good pal, Joe Boynton, and I'm so excited to have him on here.
0: Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, we're, uh, we're happy to have you. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Let's talk about last week real quick, and then we'll get to what the movie that Joe picked, Lord of the Rings, here, one of our favorites on the show. Last week, we had a Rex pick in Glorious Bastards. Uh, it was part two of our double-dip director series, where uh, repeated directors <laughs> we've done in the past, and ended up being a Fuck Nazis double feature with Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I thought that was very appropriate yes. for the events of those couple of weeks. And I, I really think Glorious Bastards is, is Probably one of my favorite episodes, if not my favorite episode we've ever done. So go yeah. back and check that one out. Check out any of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use, and get in touch with us on social media. We're the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at Great MovieCast on Twitter. And please shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So, Joe, you this week have brought to us Lord of the Rings a Fellowship of the Ring.
2: Why this one? so i've been into uh tolkien for a long time uh when these movies came out i remember watching them in high school um like literally with my high school class um in drafting and design um at the vogue at northeast vogue in wakefield massachusetts and i remember liking them i remember liking the movies and i remember um you know gandalf first the balrog that really affecting me and realizing in that moment like these are some of the greatest movies of all time. But it didn't hit me then. It actually hit me while on while I was on uh while I was on Warped Tour. I was listening to less music and I was listening to more podcasts and audiobooks. And it was probably 2000 and I guess 15 or I don't know when I started listening um, to Lord of the Rings and audiobook on the audiobook forum. But I remember falling in love with it. I've I probably listened to Lord of the Rings and Fellowship of the Ring, especially. I probably listened to Fellowship of the Ring on audiobook, probably over thirty times, and Lord of the Rings front to back, probably over. I want to say I'm at number six. I've probably been through it about six times, and I just love it. It's it's fascinating. It never gets old. It's I understand why Star Wars has such a dedicated fan base because I feel like. It's, it's the same thing with them as a lot of fans of Lord of the Rings and just Tolkien's universe, all of Middle-earth, is there's so much detail. There's so much detail, there's so much time that passes. It's such an epic exploration of, of content that you just get lost in it. And it, it, I don't know, I just love it so much. The, 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 the character development, especially Samwise Gamgee is the strongest I think he's one of the strongest character developments like examples of character development period and I just love so much about Lord of the Rings um the influences that it took to create it uh, the real life situations that J.R.R. Tolkien went through um, to create this story and to create this world there's just so much to go through and unpack that I i never I never find myself bored yeah
0: no i i mean let's yeah let's jump into it. first time we we sort of earlier experiences with this movie and like you know the lord of the rings is a story in general i was i mean had had you guys seen the the like Rankin Bass hobbit and lord of the rings cartoons before the movies yeah. came out yeah so, i was actually a oh, big yeah. fan of that yeah see i as a child really didn't like them and They're gross. They're creepy. They, they are. They're sh- like Bilbo. And that is like, ugh, like uh, they Everything showed him. A, melting. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's So I saw the, the, I remember seeing the trailer for this and it came out like a year before the movie. And I was like, this is the, like that story. This is related to the Hobbit cartoon in some way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to dive into this. So in that year, I, you know, I read all the books. I eventually got to like the Silmarillion and took like deeper token dives. And like, you're, you're absolutely right, Joe. And that the world that's created is so massive and so intricate. It's, it just grabs you. And then the movie came out and just, there are images in the movie that were so, it's like they were plucked from my brain. Yeah. So, I mean, other adaptations, not so much. You know, they, they can yeah. hear, but there are so many images like of the Fellowship just walking and, and Ian and as Gandalf that were just from the page to the screen, perfect. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I remember when I, I first saw the movie, I remember the theater I was in, the Dearly Departed, Revere, Showcase Cinemas, Rest in I wish peace. I
2: saw it in the theaters. I watched all of yeah. them on DVD when I first saw them and I wish, oh man, I can't even imagine it, like- a
0: theater I I went back and saw the I saw the extended versions in theaters when the first before the first hobbit came out Yeah they did a at one of the theaters near me did all three extended versions in one day and I was just like well I get <laughs> I get you know 13 hours to kill so Yeah yep yeah. But yeah Derek do you remember when you first saw this movie your sort of token
1: experiences (laughs) do I remember I'm about to blow both of your minds Uh, my sister was in the play The Hobbit when she was young and she's five years older than me and my mom did. she played um, Keeley one of the dwarves Mm -hmm. and she got she got got stuck under a table during the play it was hilarious it wasn't meant to happen more of a bomber move yeah, my mom did the piano. She wrote a bunch of songs for the play, which are still memorable to me to this day. But um, I remember when the movie came out, my sister was like, you gotta come see Fellowship with me. And I was like, I'm just not interested, stuff. She's like, please just come see this with me. A movie has never blown my mind like the Fellowship of the Ring. I saw it at the movie theater. You ready for this? When it first a whopping, came out? A, when it first came out, a whopping 12 times. Wow. Uh, I saw it tw- three on My sister saw it 14 times. Everybody thought we were insane. I just, <laughs> every every time my sister and me were just like at home, my parents were whatever they were doing. Like, she's like, I want to go see Fellowship. I was like, let's go. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It took me somewhere else. It's so beautiful. It's so magical. Like, this movie has a lot of magic to it that the other two films don't have. Because I think it, it's a little bit more about like the dwarves and elves and, and the other two are much more about men. So Tricky. the first one, the first one's very magical to me. I Like I said, 12 times, never got sick of it. I To this day, it's still... The, I think this movie impacted my life more than any film in the history of cinema.
2: I think I like Fellowship the most out of the three because it. I feel like it's the most influenced by Treasure Island, which is one of my favorite like classic, classic books. I feel like it's got a similar pacing at the beginning where you can really uh, feel this sense of adventure. It's got a map just like Treasure Island, where it almost looks like it's the same illustrator uh, in the book at least, and. I don't know. I I, I can, I just feel the sense of adventure and I know how it's going to go with book two and three, but when you read, um, fellowship of the ring, you feel like when you're in those early chapters that this story may just go somewhere else. You know, it's just the perfect opening to an adventure of anything I can pinpoint, um, that I've got, that I've gone through in TV movies or, or, uh, or, or, uh, or book, like, yeah.
0: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as far as the, the books go, I, I almost can't separate them and say this is my favorite of the three, because I always read them back to back. I even, like, at, at one point had a big, you know, version of all three together. Big, like, yeah. like the, looked like the Red Book, so it was, it was really cool. But, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I, w- I would say Fellowship, if I had to pick one, is probably the, my favorite of the books, because it's yeah. not as segmented, I guess, as the other ones. The, Two Towers, for, for the listeners that haven't read the book, go read them, but the Two Towers and Return of the King books are basically separated into one half is the Aragorn story and you read it straight through, and one half is the Frodo story and you read right, it straight through. Right. So it's 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 different. It's put together different. For the movies, I would say probably Two Towers is my favorite. Interesting.
2: I, I think that Two Towers is the most exciting I just feel, I think it's because I love, I think it's because I love the book so much is why I like fellowship the most. I don't like fellowships ending as much as the way two towers ends, but I think everyone can agree that return of the King is there. Their, I get, I'd say it's my least favorite. It's more of the winding down of everything towards the end that there's so much extra story afterwards, but I, um, No, I I don't, it's, I don't know what it is. I just go with my gut and I wish, like, I know it's Star Wars Empire Strikes Back is my favorite and it's right in the middle of everything. And it's just, there's so many gigantic events um, in that movie, but Two Towers, if I really loved battle scenes would be my favorite, but I always come back to watching Fellowship. It's it's not even to me.
0: It's not even the the battle. And I mean, we're getting away from Fellowship. We'll get back to it in a second. But yeah. it's not even necessarily the battle, but the the buildup to the battle. I think is what puts yeah. two towers over the top for me. Oh,
1: yeah. like that, the whole yeah, the yeah. King Theoden, like the, the whole monologue. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right, and the the scene where you know Aragorn and Legolas are speaking Elvish to each other, and then Aragorn just dips into like the common speech, and is just like.
1: I will die as one
0: of them, them. and it was just like, "Oh fuck, everyone's fucked now," (laughs) knowing that they're not. And you have like the best golem stuff, I think, in in two towers as well. I
2: agree.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But for sure let's get we're getting ahead of ourselves let's uh let's yeah, go let's back <laughs> uh, uh lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring it's the first third of peter jackson's epic trilogy adapting J.R. token's fantasy masterpiece the lord of the rings it stars elijah wood as frodo baggins ian mckellen excuse me sir ian mckellen as gandalf the gray vigo mortensen as aragorn sean astin as samwise Gamgee, and just a ton of other people let's get an 8.8 on IMDb. on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 92% on Metacritic. So we've talked about our sort of early members of the movie and Tolkien and stuff like that. For those of you that somehow have avoided seeing this movie, what are you doing, first of all? But I'm going to ask Derek here, as I do each episode, to throw 30 seconds on the clock,
1: or in this case, his Spotify. And... I don't use a timer. Everyone knows that. I, I pick yes. a song from my Spotify, and it's hilarious to me to listen to you say this during a song that only I can hear.
0: That's okay. So Derek's gonna count, put 30 seconds on his version of a clock, and I'm gonna try to describe and try to fit in basically what happens in this movie. This is not gonna quite be a a, uh, a situation like we had with Rocky Horror Picture Show, where I almost passed out. I was speaking so fast, <laughs> but there's a lot to jam in. <laughs> so Derek, what's your uh, what's your song this week while I while I do we're, that?
1: We're, we're doing happiness is a warm gun by the Beatles.
0: All right. Let's All right, do it. Three, two, one. Frodo, a hobbit of the Shire, finds that his the ring his uncle left him is the one, a weapon of Sauron, the enemy of Middle Earth. He, chased by Ring Wraith, sets off to the to bring the ring to Rivendell, a city of elves, where it is decided that he, along with eight companions—the wizard Gandalf, two men, Aragorn, Bar- Boromir, three hobbits, Merry, Pippin, and Sam—as well as a dwarf and an elf, Gimli and Legolas—will bring the ring to Mount Doom to destroy it forever. Along the way, Gandalf falls, presumably dead. They meet Galadriel, wisest elf in the earth. Boromir attempts to steal the ring to, for the use for the defense for his home and Tirith, and is killed by orcs bred by Sauron, a former ally of Gandalf, who also kidnapped Merry. Time to- ah ah
1: uh, your the first one close. ever you couldn't finish close first one, right. <laughs> You you just became the Undertaker, man. You just got, you just got beaten by Brock Lesnar. At WrestleMania.
0: That's that's true. <laughs> that's true. I'm 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 weakly trying to sit up.
2: You got through most of it. I'm. Proud I did. You. I
0: feel we got through most of it. We'll never know where Frodo and Sam went. Never. Yeah, I'm
2: gonna
1: figure that out.
0: But go watch the movie. Take, I mean, this the regular theatrical versions on on HBO Max, so you can get it there. But if you can get the extended versions do it because there's so much more there it's so much come
1: more come on rich. come on it's been
2: it's been 19 years if you haven't seen it you should be ashamed of yourself
0: yeah and you can time the, And
2: then they just come out with the 4K uh, versions i don't know if they're extended but i'm pretty I, sure like they just came out yeah uh,
0: like yeah. just very very recently Maybe i don't i don't know those, if they're extended either
2: i don't uh, think they're extended they'll probably put those out afterwards but yeah
0: i didn't get the blu ray i didn't upgrade to blu ray because the blu ray the color was just off Okay. Really? It was a weird transfer. It, the, the DVDs actually look better.
2: I, I want to get a digital version of it uh, in 4K and see how that goes. That's my that's my plan.
0: Yeah. Sweet. All right. So we've talked about most of what happens in the movie. There's, I mean, let's talk about what we like the most about it. And there's a lot to about Lord of the Rings. So let's count down our three favorite scenes in the movie. Joe, we'll start with a guest today. What is your third favorite scene?
2: Uh, the Council of Elrond. Um, nice. When, um, when the black speech is being said out loud, and and you can hear it in the air, it almost fills up the air, and everyone's like, "You can't, you can't use that. You can't use that language here." Like it's like bringing, the, it's bringing the darkness to us. Like like that was terrifying when Gimli tried to. Um, smash the ring with his axe and then you just see the eye kind of light up the screen and you know you can just kind of feel like the you know it's not going to go the way you want it to go the famous meme of you know one to simply not just walk into mordor (laughs) yes a bilbo want trying to grab the ring from frodo and scaring the absolute shit out of us oh everyone in the theater jumped a mile (laughs) Yeah, just like The Ring. It happened in The Ring, that movie, uh, The Ring, where you see the closet scene in The Ring. Yes. Just, just as far as that.
0: In um, Lord of the Rings, it comes out of nowhere as well. It's such yeah. a... Yeah. Oh.
2: But yeah, that's my third favorite uh, scene in the movie is definitely awesome the scene.
0: Yeah, cool. I love that scene. The Council of Elrond, I think, works better in the movie than it does the book because so much in the book is just like, all right, here's what's happened so far in the book. I mean, I I love that scene. My favorite part of that scene, I would say, is uh, the look on Elrond's face when Merry and Pippin emerge. Yes. Yes.
2: Motherfuckers.
0: (laughs) He's like, oh, Sam, oh, that's cute. Fucking Merry
1: and Pippin. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, All right, Derek, what do you have for number three?
1: All right, my number three is the last battle sequence of the film, uh, the battle at the River Anduin or Anduin River. Uh, with the Orokai and Baramir getting killed. I wept like a little baby the first time I saw it because I love Sean Bean so much. And I was that's like, tough. come on, come that's, on. Why that's a tough you actor to again? love. you got going to see him so die every, every time. Because <laughs> I, fell, I fell in love with Sean Bean in GoldenEye. He died in GoldenEye. And then I, was, I saw Lord of the Rings. I'm like, come on. The only guy who like dies in this besides, quote unquote, the death of Gandalf. But um, yeah, it was just an awesome sequence. Um, the ba- I, I love the way they choreographed all the battle sequences. I think at one point, like the main orokai, like throws a shield across the land, and Aragorn almost gets decapitated against a tree. Oh, dicks! Um, yeah, yeah. The, 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 him th- putting a knife in his leg, pulls it out, shoves a sword in his stomach, and then decapitates it. What a battle sequence that was! Oh. Um, I was almost mad, like when Boromir blows the, of Go- the horn of Gondor. I'm like, what are you doing? You're attracting more orokai. Come <laughs> on, man. Even I know that. I'm not even from Gondor.
2: There's um, something really funny about the horn of Gondor. Like even in the book, it's just it makes you laugh. It's very endearing. Like it's 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 very like empowering, but it's also kind of silly. Yeah. In the movie and in the book, like, Tolkien like, strikes like,
0: me as a guy who just didn't get what silliness was. <laughs> like he's like in this like he's there's a, a a city in the Silmarillion and this is where a very famous character got his name, uh, there's a city called Tyrion upon Tuna. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think he realizes, oh, I named a fucking city after a fish. <laughs> right, like, right, He just doesn't. He's just like, oh, he just blows a horn. That makes sense. Of course he blow a horn. But then uh, he with
2: Nardothron, that name's awesome. He's got a lot of great names. Uh, yeah. Gondolin, oh, amazing. Uh,
0: Token basically accidentally created a fucking entire genre of metal, like without
2: even... Dude. <laughs> Children of Huron yeah. is the most metal, one of the most metal uh, fantasy books. Period. It's, yeah. just, it's so depressing though. It
0: is. Oh, it's tough.
2: It's, oh, it's so depressing. Oh, it's, very, very yeah, so, Greek
0: tragedy. Very. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: So to, to get so to get back, like I, the one moment that I absolutely love at the end of the scene is that um, so Sean Bean's character Boromir, he tries to take the ring ring from Frodo, and you think at that point this is a villain. But it's actually the ring controlling Boromir, and then when he, at the, you think Boromir's gone, like you don't know what happens to him, and then Merry and Pippin are about to get kidnapped. Boromir comes out of nowhere and kills like a hundred orukai, and he's so badass, and he's just like on his knees, getting shot with arrows, and he's still getting up. That Barmir getting up three times after getting an arrow was like, oh, Dude,
2: man, he's like just both lungs, he's got it in his heart. He's got yeah, atomic. he's like it is. amazing. Yeah, like it is, it
0: is one of the great deaths in in cinema i feel like
2: it is and it's also yeah. ridiculous yeah. like that many arrows that deep in a body you're so dead you would not but this is also a fantasy genre yeah. so you know you can joe keep- did you see the uh did you see the lord of the rings cartoon like the weird, like half half
1: realistic half cartoon one uh the one from what like, was it from the 70s like yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Boromir gets like so in the movie, in this movie, in the real, you know, Boromir gets three arrows, and that movie he gets like seventeen arrows in him, and he just cuts them off with his sword. I'm like, come on.
0: <laughs> well, men were of like literally men in Lord of the Rings are different creatures to to us. Like they're yeah, right. they're like of hardier stock. Like you yeah, know, 100%. yeah, it's it's so it it kind of makes sense. But yeah, I mean, great scene, two great scenes. My number three, I actually. My, my third favorite scene is when Gandalf arrives in the Shire and nice. I find myself thinking there's so much to love about this movie really some of my favorite stuff are the quieter moments and this is that it, it's the Shire is just so peaceful the Shire theme is so great yeah we get the the line I opened the episode with and you know Gandalf just being a, a shit for you know for fun it's it's tremendous and we have that that one hobbit with like the sourest looking face of all time <laughs> yeah, this yeah, just yeah makes me laugh every time i watch it and he's like rah, 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 laughing at fireworks and his wife yep. like makes him miserable again so and i i just love it i i do you know one of my goals is to get to new zealand to see the shire which they, yes. they still have you know it's definitely something i i want to check out yeah, it's
2: definitely on my list
0: yeah joe what do you have for your number two scene
2: Number two scene was Baramir's sacrifice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we've already kind of covered that. Just just everything. Um, Aragon, you know, like like telling him how like how proud he is and like how his name's gonna live on and like like basically letting him know like like his like his just turnaround as a hero and just letting him know. Like everything like like this was not a wasted effort. like you know what I mean? Just like like Aaron talking at Boromir uh, right before he dies is probably the probably the most emotional part of the entire film, I think. But yeah, not so much the battle stuff. I, I, I swear the books ruin the more you get into the books, the more you care, the less you care about the battles, at least for me, and it's a more about yeah. the emotion, the emotions between the characters. Yeah.
0: It's it's okay. interesting that the the token estate like really doesn't like these movies because of that reason because they were like oh you made it like into a movie for teenage boys that's their position.
2: There's a few things though. So um, Frodo and Sam aren't best buds at the beginning. It's more like a, a master, like a like a a boss and a servant. Yeah. And yeah, they, just gardener. And, and then Aragon in the book is just I feel like he he's so much more confident. And what he needs to do. And in the yeah. movies, he's more of unsure of himself. There's so many things that they missed, but they hit so many things on the nose. And, and I and think that's a great job that you don't care yeah. much. Yeah. I think,
0: like, like I said before, I think there's some stuff they get completely right. And I think they really do get to the heart of the story. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. Now, granted, it's a different medium, so they're not going to be able to perfectly adapt it. It's it's just that's the case. And I think the token estate, while I love what they've done and they've released so much material that we can go back to after Tolkien's death, yeah, gets a little bit precious about it. No pun intended. Derek, what do you have for number two?
1: I have. So it, it, this is one of those things where we're all going to overlap so many times, but I have the Council of Elrond as my <laughs> favorite yeah. scene. And the one thing I love about this is, like, it introduces to all these new characters to you because, you, you know, we're almost halfway through the movie at this point. This is really the start of of the movie for me in a lot of ways. Everything before that is phenomenal. But this is like, okay, everybody's here. All the big players are sitting around in a circle. You know, I love the – just and just to not repeat the things that Joe said, so I'll move on to other things. Kind of like how Aragorn says, you have my sword, you, Legolas, you have my bow, and my axe. An axe. And, so and then – Multiple
0: memes from one scene. Yeah, oh, amazing. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, and I love the fact that like, and I've learned this so many years later that when you watch this scene, Elrond literally says, you will unite or you will fall. And when he says unite, Aragorn shown you will fall, it shows Boromir, foreshadowing what's going to happen in the story. Oh. Uh, very, very cool uh, directing there by Peter Jackson. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the the whole scene of the Fellowship, the nine of them standing there, and you shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. It's like amazing. And then they find a way to put humor in there too. Um, with Pippin and uh, just just great um, yeah. I can't get enough of the scene sometimes I'll even just like look up on YouTube just the council of Elrond just to like remember how beautiful the scene was shot yeah, and yeah, nice. just
0: the the creation of that scene it's just it's so incredible S- specifically I think the how Rivendell was was realized and right it's just, right it's incredible and it's I like the three and I'm this is going to sort of segue into mine because the my scene is my number two scene is Lothlorien and Mm -hmm. specifically I mean more so for like the vibe and specifically in Lothlorien the conversation between Boromir and Aragorn where Boromir recalls how beautiful Gondor is and why it's worth defending and why he wants Aragorn to come back and rule, and not necessarily rule at that point, but just see the city with him. And that to me adds so much dimension to Boromir as a character. Yes. Uh, I mean, we also, you know, we meet Galadriel in the scene and Kate Blanchett is so great as Galadriel and yeah, really yeah. just gets the, the great vibe. And I, I like that the two domains where the elvish rings are that we see in this movie are so unique because that's really the power of those rings is it allows Elrond to craft Rivendell, how we want to see it and Mm -hmm. allows Galadriel to keep Lorien as it is. So I, I I just, I love those two cities so much.
1: Just to add on what you said, like one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is when Baramir is talking to Aragorn and he says, have you ever been called home by the sound of silver trumpets? Yeah. Um, Just the way he, the way he phrases it, the way he words it, it kind of gives you chills. Um, yeah. You don't even—you've never even seen this place before. Although you do see it for a glimpse in the beginning of the movie when Gandalf rides there to go to the library, but you don't see Minas Tirith until Return of the King, and it's still beautiful. The the imagery is wonderful.
0: To me, it ex- it explains Boromir's actions in trying to steal the ring because if he loves that place that much, yeah. right. it makes sense that he just wanted to defend it. All right, so that's our uh, our number two scenes in Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring. Joe, what do you have? For number one
2: number one um Gandalf versus the Balrog um oh, hell yeah. that crushed me when I first saw it everything about that action-wise incredible um uh, the way that the uh, orcs which I would call them goblins at this point. I feel like when they're more in the caves, I consider them more goblins like using the word goblin based off of the Hobbit, even though I know they're the same, uh, but there's different you know varieties of them. But yeah, that's that's number one. Uh, I don't think it I think that scene alone is what catapulted that movie into like the t- a timeless movie in one, that would be remembered for a long, long time, like Star Wars, I think with, without uh, Gandalf in the Balrog, um, I think they would significant, the movie would be significantly different without that scene. Um, and I kind of wish, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie, and it's been like eight, it's been the like 19 years, uh, but Gandalf coming back, I, I agree, um, with the writer of Game of Thrones, uh, he said in, in an interview that that's one of the weaker parts of the story is that he comes back. It would have given more weight to Gandalf's character if he didn't come back. But yeah, that's my number one. And you, you really, just the fact that you're seeing something from like the Silmarillion era where, where something from two ages ago from like the first age of um in the second age of of middle earth is like is like showing up and it was like it's like one of seven that exist in middle earth at the time of the third age and you know that it was a servant of morgoth and and you basically hear gandalf talk about morgoth in the scene and you don't even realize as a viewer if you're just watching the movie that that's a you know Gan- um that's sauron's boss that's the devil in middle earth that's like the biggest baddest dude that ever existed yeah um, cast off the planet, got cast into the void, of basically space, um, which makes it seem more sci-fi than than just fantasy. But uh, anyway, like meeting, like seeing that, I thought the CGI on the Balrog is amazing. I wish it didn't have wings. I don't feel like it makes sense, something that dwells in the earth to have wings. I feel like in the story, it wasn't supposed to be that. It was supposed to be just a creature of just flame and smoke, and it doesn't really have a form, um, more just a shadow itself. But yeah, that's my number one. Yeah. Excellent.
0: Yeah, uh, I love it. And, and and you mentioned you know Game of Thrones there, and I that's that's a pretty good opportunity because I, I don't know where else we talk about it. But uh, I I feel like, and I think George R. R. Martin has said this, that in a lot of ways Game of Thrones is a direct reaction to Lord of the Rings. And right. you know he the, the what he always says is like, well, I always wanted to kind of know what Aragorn's policy towards orcs was when after he was king when he was Elisar did Elisar try to exterminate all of them or did he try to like welcome them back into society yeah. you know what was what was his tax policy but I actually think that Lord of the Rings is a story when it comes down to it is about how tragic it is and how sad it is to see magical things leave the world yeah right, because that's you know, all through, throughout all three movies is there's this through line of the elves are leaving
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they're taking away the elvish magic. And on the other hand, uh, Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire is really about how ugly it is when magic comes back into the world.
1: And, yeah, it's like the complete opposite. Yeah, I yeah. call.
0: And like, just think about how in, in you know, this is our, by the way, episode tradition where we go off on a Game of Thrones tangent. We're like Anytime magic is used on there, how horrifying it is. And right. like, it's Melisandre giving birth to a shadow demon or it's like blood magic. So it's just it's it's interesting to see how much today because Lord of the Rings, I mean, the earliest stuff Tolkien wrote for this was in World War One. You know, on his quiet time, he started writing The Silmarillion. How much that's affecting pop culture even today. Right. But, Derek, what's your number one scene?
1: We might as well keep going here because, you know, when when you're breaking up this movie, you know, scenes, for me, it's more like segments, like where they're located. What location is my favorite at that moment? Yeah. Uh, My favorite location in The Fellowship of the Ring is the Mines of Moria. Um, yep. That whole segment is just unbelievable. I remember being in the theater, when that cave troll came out, I was like, holy shit. Like, I was just like, oh my God. And everyone's fighting the cave troll and they're going crazy on this cool battle scene. You're like, wow, that's going to be the biggest thing they fight down here. Nope. No. And uh, and then you hear that like rowl of the Balrog and the theater shook. And I was like, what are we in for right now? And when I yeah. saw the design, the design of the Balrog, and like you said, he mentions Morgoth and I was like, who is this guy now? Who's Morgoth? I'm talking, I'm listening about Sauron over here. So after I'd seen the movie, I looked up Morgoth and became infatuated with Morgoth. Um, but the Balrog scene and Gandalf, and you, you, you may not, you know, you shall not pass. Like, ooh, the chills went up my spine. Like, this old man is friggin' badass. Um, with, you know, and then there was one moment in the entire film that I can't get enough of. It's kind of random, but they're, they're, it's not quite on the bridge of Casa Doom quite yet, but they're running down all these stairs and the stairs are falling, and, yeah. then they, they, and then all of a sudden, orcs start shooting arrows at them, and Legolas looks up, shoots an orc, and the camera follows the arrow all the way through the orc's head, and I was like, I adore this
2: movie. This and is why the state like, Estate doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, I was just like, oh my god. It Legolas so cool. is a
0: surfer, what? Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, dude,
2: dude, when he slides down the steps on the shield, when i first heard that the Tolkien like some of the the family uh, tolkien's family did not like the movies the first thing i thought of was legolas like surfing down the steps and i'm like yeah the See that? Just,
0: yeah. Of the movie. For, for me, that is like right up against the line. Like, once you get into Return of the King and he's like sliding down an elephant's trunk, it's like, okay, like, <laughs> all right, we get it. Like, Orlando Bloom is handsome. Like, let's move on. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. He,
1: but, like, so yeah, the Bridge of Casa Doom and then Gandalf falling and fly, you fools. Like, what does that mean? Does fly mean run? And later on, you realize he meant get on an eagle, asshole. No,
0: no that's not what he meant, Derek. No, oh, he on. meant run. He meant run.
1: We yeah. All, yeah. We, all, we all know he meant to Call
0: here and get the eagles down there. Here's my theory. <laughs> Here's my theory on, on Uh Gandalf would not have wanted to, them to use the eagles because if Guaihir nope. claimed the ring for himself, he would have been an absolute <laughs> terror on Middle Earth.
2: Dark eagle. So people say that, like, oh, why didn't they just fly and drop it in? Blah blah blah. It's like, dude, yeah. the the. So in the movie, Mordor feels a little empty. But in the books, it's an impenetrable, like, like yeah. force. Like, you're not, it's, it's filled with people. It's filled with servants. It's filled with fell beasts, the, those flying, like, dragon creatures. Like, you're not getting anywhere near there. And, you're, and especially with the Eye of Sauron itself, you're not getting even yeah. close to there through the sky.
0: Yeah. It, especially in Return of the King, it's so much more of, like, a spotlight. But it's really like, no, it's an all seeing, like, unimaginable creature, like looking at you at all times.
2: I feel like in the book, the eye is him. I feel like he exists. He doesn't. So it doesn't exist in a full physical form, but it's just him. Yeah. On the tower and the, the flame around him is, is him as well. Well, so much of him, he is the ring
0: as well. The way, the way tokens, you know, evil and tokens world works is evil is like a finite thing where good he's so much of his like plants are good and nature is good. When you, when you're doing good, it grows and it expands (laughs) evil when you do something evil, you. When they say, you know, Sauron poured himself into the ring, that's literal. The reason why he dies when you destroy the ring is because that's the better part, and the reason why he's more powerful is he's like that's the better part of his power that he started with is in the ring.
1: And you know, you know, J.K. Rowling discovered Horcruxes because of Sauron of the ring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Horcruxes it's, came it's, from Sauron putting himself in that ring.
0: Right and that's and that's why morgoth over time in the silmarillion goes from like the most powerful of the valar to like an elf will kill uh, or not even an elf like a man will kill him in the end like huron will kill him i'm not gonna lie i I
1: know we're talking about fellowship but like i'm not gonna lie like just for like maybe holly this is one of those those trilogies that like i'm glad hollywood made it more exciting Mm-hmm. Other movies, I don't care for that. But this, I'm like, I kind of wanted to see a physical physical Sauron again. And I know they actually designed that. and It was supposed to be a battle against Aragorn in Return of the King. But I kind of felt something was something was missing. Like, there's, there's, yeah, there's no big battle sequence between one and somebody else. And you kind of need that in Return of the King and didn't get it as much. They even cut out the scene where he cuts off the mouth of Sauron's head. And I would have liked to have seen that in the regular version. But that's just, I guess, me nitpicking on the other ones.
2: Yeah. I'm excited for Amazon series. I don't. I don't feel. My gut's telling me they're gonna blow it. My gut's telling me that it's 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 not gonna compare to the trilogy, and it's gonna become more of a Game of Thrones clone. Oh, for yeah, sure, man. it's gonna be Game and of Thrones. It's gonna. It's, I'm gonna watch it because. Same way I watched, I did not like the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy, the newer, the newer Star Wars, the three. Um, but I watched it anyway because it was Star Wars related and I went into it, but I'm just bummed because if you really took Tolkien's work and you adapted it in a series and you took your time and you didn't Hollywood like Hollywood it up, you would have something that could possibly be timeless and be amazing and maybe it won't be the biggest show like it won't be game of thrones it won't be the biggest show but it will be what it should be in in a, you know in a visual form and i think that's so much more important than the bottom dollar and i don't think we'll we'll get that and it and it's and it sucks right Um, i have high hopes but who knows i mean i don't yeah i'm just going into it like cautiously optimistic (laughs) i'm not even i'm I'm not optimistic once i got rid of the the tolkien professor and he wasn't working with the show anymore i was like you just you just fucking blew it because
0: that yeah
2: that guy is the best source of tolkien right now and if he's not helping you do it and you had him at your disposal then clearly i don't i don't feel like they respect yeah i my my
0: like cautiousness towards the amazon stuff comes from the fact that they literally like greenlit three huge fantasy series like as like as at the peak of game of thrones and they were like all right wheel of time lord of the rings and dark tower and dark tower got canceled because that story starts off very small and by the end it's huge but it starts yeah. off very small. And they were like, what if we had more action up front? And they were like, the story doesn't really work with that. It becomes unbalanced. They were like, then you should go find somewhere else to make your show. And right. they, they couldn't. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's, it's interesting because it's a it's a, an era in Middle Earth that's not overly like mined. It's not super detailed. So there is room to add stuff. You know, it's, it's taking place in the second age.
2: You're affecting the, the movies that are like a nine, yeah. all of them yeah. are nines, nine point this nine. Yeah, point yeah. nine. Some people's favorite, like you're like, where George Lucas went and made the prequels. Imagine if the Disney trilogy, like the Disney star Wars was the prequels. Cause I like the prequels. I think that George, I, I feel like he said everything he needed to say with those movies and they're not, I don't feel they're as strong as the original trilogy. But for setting up those movies, he did everything he needed to do. With this, you're having what you could have the Disney aspect of Star Wars, which is the weakest part. The last three movies, are, I feel like, are easily the weakest Star Wars movies. And now you're making that the foundation for perfect films? Like, that sucks.
0: To me, the Star Wars prequels, the the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy have the opposite problems, where there was a lot of story in the prequels and they were just kind of incompetently made uh-huh. and the sequel trilogy, there's the story wasn't there and they are just kind of like adding more detail as they went along and you know, mileage may vary, I think Last Jedi is incredible, the other two not so much
2: I, the, I I I have a, one of my best friends loves uh The Last Jedi that's my least favorite Star Wars movie. See, uh, Last Jedi and Empire
0: are one and one A for me for Star Wars movies. No, is
1: like, my favorite. I, I like The Force Awakens out of the new 3. I didn't like the other two, I'm going to be honest. But anyways, <laughs> Rich, what's, what's your Star favorite scene?
0: Strongest yeah. one. <laughs> so, all right. I, when, all right Rick, quickly in Star Wars, the, the The Rise of Skywalker is my my most disappointing theater experience of all time. But uh um, <laughs> Anyway, it's a clean sweep. It's uh, it's Moria. Moria, yeah, yeah. Um, clean it's, sweep. Yep, and specifically like everything from, you know, when Pippin fucking drops the, yeah,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> you know, like drops the like bucket down a well, and like Gandalf. The noise
1: just, keeps going. <laughs> it just goes
0: forever, and he's like, like more and more embarrassed as the scene goes on, and Gandalf just glaring at him.
2: And it's then, a rock. It's a rock. I it's, a ro- right. it's a rock. Right. Okay. book. But it, no. But yeah. it's a bucket in the in the movie. Yeah.
0: And Gandalf it just rips into him, fool of a Took, and he like then everything with the cave troll and the Mithril coat and the Balrog. And He's wearing
2: Frodo's wearing a Mithril coat that is worth more than the entire Shire.
0: Yep. That's <laughs> that's a. If you haven't seen the extended edition, that's a that's an extended only scene, I believe. Yeah. They're like, yeah, he's you know, uh, it's, it's yeah. worked more than that of the Shire. And was like,
1: mm. you know what? If Pippin didn't drop that down there, Gandalf never would have become more powerful. So, good for Pippin, yeah, it's a yeah. chain reaction. Pippin dropping that thing down there, Gandalf fighting the Balrog, Gandalf basically going back to heaven or whatever. And they're like, we are gonna make you stronger, go back to
2: Middle earth. Yeah, he, well, leaves, <laughs> he leaves space and time, he completely leaves, yeah,
1: it just you know, becomes earth. Gandalf
2: the White. I he's think Gandalf the White is did. a.
1: Yeah, Gandalf the White has less of a bedtime manner than Gandalf the Grey had. I love Gandalf the Grey, with a fiery passion. Gandalf the White's kind of like, oh yeah, that was my name, Gandalf.
0: G- Gandalf the Grey <laughs> is a guy I want to have a beer with,
2: and, <laughs> and smoke <laughs> the guy a guy I want to have a beer with his. Uh, uh, was it a? Sa- was it Saruman of all colors? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was a. Real like, oh right,
0: yeah. you you're not. Your coat's not white. What's up with that? Okay, I'm in
2: prison now. All right. They um, talk about the blue wizards, Alatar and yeah, Melando. They, they talk about them. Yeah. But they don't. They literally cast someone for Tom Bombadil, and then nothing.
0: This is a pro Tom Bombadil po- podcast,
2: so you. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna disagree. I think Tom Bombadil is a fantastic character. He absolutely not needed in this movie. It would have confused the audience.
2: I don't care. He's just so. Just one scene. Give me one thing. You have uh, fucking it's, four it's, and a half you, 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 hours of an extended start, version
0: of a movie and you can't fit in Tom Bombadil? Because
2: it's you start the mo- you back. start the movie trying to explain that the ring is
1: powerful and people are going to get corrupted. And then automatically the first guy he meets is like, yeah, the ring means nothing to me. So then the audience is like, well, the ring doesn't isn't that not, isn't that powerful then? It's not a good have have movie. That scene. You don't have yeah. to have that scene. Yeah, but. you don't
0: need to have it. But, I mean, you put the other – like you give Treebeard a lot of his stuff in Two Towers.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. true.
0: So it's, yeah, you could have you had Tom Bombadil in there. Um, I, I I will say, and this is for a Two Towers podcast, I, I really do wish they didn't have Faramir as tempted by the ring as in the book. He's just like, this is not, yeah, my recollection, because it's been a few years, but this is like, this killed my brother. This is not worthy of my, like, t- desire. Yeah, right. All right, let's uh let's we talked about our favorite thing. The movie. Let's talk about our least favorite thing. Oh. And I'll yeah. start here. And I kind of have two. Peter. One one is just basically like this is a white fucking movie. This is a white <laughs> male movie. And you know, it's like let's let's throw let's throw like even if it's like some extras, let's throw some 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 variety in there as far as the casting. The other one is like Live Tyler uh, well, I like her in a lot of stuff, or in some stuff, at least. She does not belong in the outside of the 20th or 21st century uh, as an actress. Some some ah, actors
1: kind
0: of some actors are like great fit for ye olden times, be it fantasy or, or you know historical. She's not one of them.
2: Right. I don't I, have I, a I, problem I, with her in this movie. I don't. Um, yeah. I just see her as Arwen. I don't, I didn't, the biggest problem with, with any actor in the movie for me is Legolas because he just does, he's just the action guy. Yeah. Um, but, but that's really it. She's me. She's not on my list of, she's on my list that you could recast. Um, but she's, she's, she
0: made my recasting list as well, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. What's yeah. uh, Joe, what's your, what's your least favorite part?
2: My least favorite part of the movie are the CGI flames. I think that in 2002 and throughout the time they filmed these the other movies, the Two Towers and um, and Return of the King, I feel like CGI really. I feel like it was getting there. I feel like yeah. they put as much in, but you can tell that they're on sets. And some of the the only thing that doesn't make this movie timeless that I wish they would go back and remaster. Is some of the backdrops and some of mostly the flames. The flames, the flame effects in all the Lord of the Rings movies. Some of them are so bad where you can't believe that they accomplished what they did with Gollum so well, so perfectly. That that takes me out of it every time I see the little like a little yeah. swirly, just bad. Um,
0: I wonder that- if if Fellowship because Gollum is a work in progress as well. You we see him in the shadows, but he really doesn't look especially like he does in, in the later movies. Yeah. I, I do wonder if, like, at this point, they were just, like, kind of laying down the tracks as the train was coming and it's just like, uh, yeah. we're, this isn't our final design, but we got to have something.
2: Yeah. So it's the bad flames. Yeah. And then I don't like how Frodo is stabbed with a Morgul blade and then, like, very soon after, you already have, you already have the cure. Like, you already have Arwen who can bring him um, and have him, have him saved, have him like, you know, well, he never really gets saved, but I just, I just hate the problem happens solutions right here. Like, and I know she has to outrun the writers and stuff like that. And it's pretty close, but it just feels a little convenient as far as storytelling goes. Sure. And that it's Arwen
0: weirdly just to introduce yeah. her earlier.
2: Not even in the books, not her yeah. in the books. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In the cartoon, it was Legolas, but in the books, it is Glorfindel. Yep, Glorfindel.
2: Yep, Glorfindel. That's right. Okay.
0: He's like he's so powerful. there's like you can't go because you're you you just tra- attract too much attention. All right, Derek, what's your uh, what's your least favorite part?
1: This was really tough for me because I I think Fellowship is close to a perfect movie for me. Um, but I will say I was a little bit distracted with the body doubles for the hobbits. Every time they showed like, "Oh, it's Frodo from behind, from far away," I'm like, "That's totally not Elijah Wood, and everyone knows it."
0: Once you know, Um, look for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, once you look for it, and especially I watched like all I've I've seen the uh, the extra discs a million times, and you meet you meet the body doubles in there, and they're they're cool, but like, I don't know. It's even the wigs that look different. It doesn't. It's not like it's just not believable to me. Uh, So that's I guess that's like the weak point for me. But again, I was nitpicking. So.
2: Yeah, when you have to nitpick. Of yeah. worst part of a movie uh, it says a lot because I can do that with yeah. any movie
0: yeah <laughs> all right let's uh, let's get to uh, to medals and this is where we give a bronze silver and gold to the people that uh, basically impacted or benefited from the movie in the uh, you yeah, the most uh, I'm gonna pull a Derek and cheat again and have a few honorable mentions uh, I
1: didn't cheat this time
0: I, well I'm gonna I'm gonna make up for it because there's <laughs> there's I, I struggled. Uh, my honorable mentions, first of all, literally the whole fellowship that I don't mention in my medals, Kate uh, Blanchett, Howard Shore, because the score is just fucking unbelievable. And uh, I would say just fantasy fans in general, because how many fantasy projects get off the ground because this, these movies were hits. Yep. Uh, but officially my bronze and I give it to him because we're not going to be able to get to him again in this series, is Sean Bean. And oh, yeah. he kind of steals the show, I think in the second half of the movie He's like, like I said, like multiple, like memeable lines. He's, you know, he's like, we, we talked about earlier as well. His scene describing Gondor to Aragorn one of my favorites. And he just has a great get- death scene. So Sean Bean gets the bronze. Derek, cool. who, do you, who do you have for bronze?
1: Actually, my, and this was at Rick, I mean, and Joe, like this might've been, not, again, these, these are, every movie it's we tough. do is hard because they're our yeah. favorites. Uh, this was really difficult, but my bronze is going to Howard Shore. Um, I will never forget this music from the movie as long as as, as I live. I mean, I, I, when I went back and I read The Hobbit after seeing Fellowship, I played the Fellowship soundtrack on repeat while reading The Hobbit, and it just made the experience so much better. Um, I love the theme to The Shire. It's beautiful. I love all the different, like, theme musics that everybody gets. Um, and then later in The Two Towers, he gives, like, um, the Rohirrim and, and Rohan, their own little...
2: Da, 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 da,
1: da. I but love yeah.
0: That, that. The Ron theme is my favorite of the, of the series.
1: He, he gives everything a theme, and it's so memorable. And he, I think, he deserves a medal just because the cast in general is fantastic. But it's so hard to pick and choose. Which everybody was great. I give I give Howard Shore this for the score for the score. All right,
0: Joe, who do you have for bronze?
2: Man, um, it's so tough. Um, I like I know who my gold is for. Uh, I really don't know. I mean, there's just so much about this movie. I would say. I would say bronze would be, I can't give music bronze. I would say that would at least be silver. Cause it's perfect. It's probably the best music in a movie. Yeah. Uh, for, and, for, and me, for me, for me to two
0: towers, especially return of the King. I think the last ride of the Rohirrim is the, my favorite music I got my like scene. All right. Who, who do you have for bronze?
2: My bronze is Peter Jackson okay. uh, because he did an amazing job. He, like he was the best person to do this movie is it possible that someone could have done it better yes but at that time maybe not um i've seen other peter jackson movies and i don't like them nearly as much as lord of the rings i do not like the hobbit movies nearly as much as lord of the rings
0: his his stuff before lord of the rings is really good in a different way and makes no sense how he got these movies, but we yeah. may be talking about him in a minute. So we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but yeah he
2: gets my yeah. bronze because he made an incredible adaptation of Tolkien's work. Yeah. It's definitely a Peter Jackson movie, but because of all the action scenes, like there's so many action scenes and chase scenes that kind of take away from what makes the Lord of the Rings books so amazing that that's why he gets bronze because he killed it. But could have been a little bit better.
0: Could have been different, yeah. Yeah. My silver went to Sir Ian McKellen. And yes. he in the same way I think Sean Bean kind of seals the first or the second half of the movie, the first half of the movie belongs to Gandalf. Like yep. and and not only that, like the dialogue he has, it's so funny, it's it's clever, he kills it. He also is at this moment. He's Gandalf and he's Magneto, and yes. he's at this point like estab- He he was so established with like the serious acting world, and then he was just like I'm going to be popular with nerds now, and he just did it with those two roles. <laughs> and, and again, yeah. another, another great death scene. Derek, who's your uh, what's your uh, your silver?
1: My silver again. So my f- just just to just to say this out loud, my fourth was Ian McKellen. I wanted to fit him in, but. Howard Shore is just amazing to me, but it could have, it could have changed. It could change tomorrow, yep. but uh, my silver goes to Sean Bean. Um, just like the, what you explained as your bronze, he steals the second half of the movie. Um, every, everything Sean Bean says matters, even if it, even if it's not important in the script as much as other lines, Sean Bean makes them important the way he stops and the way he observes things. The w- just, I know Sean Bean had a script on his lap during those council of Elrond because the script got changed overnight and he had no time to learn it and he had on his like and he just made it so i don't know he, he's so incredible to me as an actor he's so versatile um but he just makes this um like he said Boromir's kind of a nobody in the books he really is he's kind of like okay Tolkien's like there's a character also in the fellowship called Boromir and then he dies uh, that's kind of what i felt with Tolkien's writing but i feel like the 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 writers for the for the movie really were like we're going to give we're going to give Boromir a lot more we're going to make him a character that you care about um, and then he, he he has this sort of arc where he like is he a bad guy like is he like you know he but he's controlled by the ring he's a human, and then he goes at the very end and he save he tries to save Merry and Pippin and he dies for it and I, like I said before I like that mentality of like when you when something ha- when you get knocked down you get back up he keeps doing yeah. it and doing it and doing it and it's just so that's life to me life is like you get knocked down you get back up and Barmer is like that whole thing for me so Sean Bean gets the silver
0: I've always said Shumba Wamba had life figured out. <laughs> Joe, uh, Joe, what's your uh, your silver medal?
2: Silver medal goes. Uh, silver medal goes to the visual effects team on, yep. uh, of the movie. I feel like the fact that they made everything look like it was thousands of years old. There, if you if you go into the uh, apparently in the four K uh, releases that just came out, you're seeing even more detail that you didn't know existed in the originals. And it just, it's just the amount of dedication, uh, the balancing of the swords, like there's so much that just feels so real. And it's the same reason why the original Star Wars trilogy is so powerful, because so much is built instead of CGI. The CGI is some of the worst parts of this of, of the trilogy, um, and the physical props are some of the best Um and the fact that they used you know the famous illustrators that worked on on illust- like just the illustrations of some of the books and the later releases of the books and famous posters, famous artwork that was tied in um, to just the books have them work on the film too was what made this feel so it just lived authentic in. yeah authentic. so they get silver for me
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely great choice my gold goes to Peter Jackson and not only are the movies themselves good but just the story of how this guy the movie he made before this was a movie called the Frighteners which is I don't know it's it's a very fun movie but it's a comedy that stars Michael J Fox as a detective who talks to ghosts like (laughs) yes it it's it's a fun movie it makes no sense how he was able to be like I made this movie I should get three massive fucking three and a half to four hour, like dude, like it. And like the fact that he like was pitching it and pitching it and pitching it. And eventually new line was like, okay, three movies. He's like, what, what? excuse me. It
2: was going to be two originally. He was was pitching
0: it at two. And the studio was like, wait, no, no, let me give you more money to make more movies. And it just makes no sense how they, why, how it's crazy. Uh, and the fact that he brought it to New Zealand. And, yeah. you know, if, if someone else would have made the movie, someone else could have done a great job. Like Guillermo del Toro was going to do The Hobbit. And that would have been a really great take. And it would have been totally different. But if del Toro was making Lord of the Rings first, wouldn't have been New Zealand. It would have been a totally different feel.
2: Yeah, so right. he's,
0: he's so responsible for it. And, like, he's his stuff before this, even if you go past the Frighteners, he like weird gross out horror movies and like quiet drama, like quiet British dramas, how he got this job blows my mind, but I'm glad he did. Derek is your gold medal winner.
1: Gold is the same as you, Peter Jackson. Uh, it's a no brainer for me. Um, this because like you said, everything you said is like, you, this guy who's not really a known director for doing epic things just gets these movies dropped in his lap in a lot of ways I mean obviously it's vice versa he was the one who went to go do it but just watching the extras on, on the the original fellowship discs like I'm so exhausted watching him work this like yeah. chubby New Zealander with like you know lying on the floor writing down and, and and with a camera in his hands looking up I'm like this guy is making me exhausted he's only on like day five Yep. Um, and just like, you know, how do you put a task like that to film and make it work? And he did it, you know, he, he did it. And not a lot of direct, if, if Spielberg did this, this wouldn't be, I mean, it would have been, They would, would have been a fun adventure, but it wouldn't have been as intricate as it is. Cause I think Peter Jackson, yeah. um, did a lot of extra things that a lot of directors wouldn't have thought about. I think yeah. it was very special. I'm glad this made him as a director.
2: And I think he, he gets my gold bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, who's your gold? So I do I do feel it's a little harsh on Peter Jackson. Um, I think he did the best job he could have done, but as far as aging goes, I wish he would pull a George Lucas and just fix some of the CGI. Um, so I'll, I'll retract that earlier because I felt about it. I was like, um, I wish he would go back and fix some of the CGI just to make it completely timeless. That they would make like a gold cut of these movies and just yeah fix anything that just sucks and just. I mean, this is the, this is
0: the uh, 20th anniversary. No better, no better time, I guess. Exactly. Yep. Um, Joe, we got to have you back for
2: a Star
1: Wars. We got to have you back for a Star Wars one because I completely disagree about George Lucas, and I'd love to have that conversation with you.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I and I hate your favorite Star Wars movie. I. Uh... <laughs> Um, the Last Jedi is my leader. There's, there's
0: a lot of people no, I, lining I up to be in our I, I didn't Last li- Jedi episode.
2: <laughs> I,
1: didn't like, I didn't like Jedi. I liked uh, The Force Awakens out of the new one. No, there no, you no. Yeah.
2: I, was, I was saying um, that's, what, that's what he picked. Well, but, when, uh, we do
0: the, when we do The Last Jedi, it's going to be like a call-in
2: show with everyone who disagrees with me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He made me so mad. But my goal goes to J.R.R. Tolkien without him the biggest reason i think that lord of the rings is stronger than the most popular franchise star wars is because it had a such a foundation where star wars did not george lucas was writing star wars as he was creating the movies and he kind of had to do it and flow and go from there where tolkien had his whole life to dedicate to one to, to to middle earth and it's It's just like making an amazing cover. There are some amazing cover songs because the original song already existed and all you have to do is you have to focus on how you're going to tell this, how you're going to do this that's already there. So you have a head start. Peter Jackson had a head start. If he was going to create all of Middle Earth and then make these movies, he would be the greatest director of all time. He had something to work with. He had plenty to work with. Um, So I I give it to my gold to J.R.R. Tolkien himself. And the greatest thing about J.R.R. Tolkien is that he started writing these stories at what, 24 years old, 23 years old and died writing these stories, never even finished uh, everything that he wanted to say. And one of the coolest facts about in his storytelling is the symmetry. Gandalf gets thrown up into the tower he gets he gets on top of the tower and then in the movie he is he falls down with the ball going up and down artifact um, the light stolen from the trees in like the first i think it's the first age um yep. of and morgoth stealing the light from the trees from the silmarils is, he used what, it to, yeah. is what is in the is the, the light of galadriel is a liquid form of one of the silmarils that they use to to deflect Shelob, which is the descendant of the spider who stole it, so it's just these these big, epic um, pieces of symmetry and storytelling that I can't even believe exist in Tolkien. It's so amazing.
0: And it's, the the great thing I think about Tolkien is, like like you said, there's the structure of the books in lesser hands mm-hmm. wouldn't have worked, but because he was so skilled at what he did, it it's worked now for coming up. Yeah, on 100 years. All right, so those are our medals. Let's get into recasting, if we have any. Derek, let's start with you. Do you have any recasting for the movie?
1: So I didn't think about it too much. I thought about it a little bit, but because I think the cast is so incredible, I was like, you know what? I should leave it alone. But because they're remaking, not remaking it, but because they're doing more Lord of the Rings stuff in the universe, I was like, who would I like to see as Aragorn and Legolas, characters like that in the future? And um a few actors came to came to mind. One of them was Michael Fassbender.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'll I'll step on your toes there. I have not only do I have Fassbender as Aragorn if he's cast today. Damn, I, I do think I think it's going to happen.
1: We all have Fassbender as yeah, Aragorn. We all, you, it's, yeah, yeah. That's I do insane. Too. That's amazing. Um honestly, not for Legolas but Mads Mikkelsen might be a cool Boromir. Um Okay. I like Mads Mikkelsen um cuz he's like he's so much he's such a mysterious looking actor. I feel like he's so likable, but he has a dark side. You could play a cool, like, anti-hero or something or whatever. I'd almost
0: like to see him as the, like, Sauron. Like, the like the, the beautiful version of Sauron. That could be really yeah. cool, too. Yeah.
1: Um. I, and the other thing is I heard you got, I mean, I, you mentioned earlier Arwen. She's, for me, kind of the weak point of the movie, too. But I don't blame her because watching all the extras, Liv Tyler's always like, everyone in the fellowship is doing their thing and I have really nobody that I'm hanging out with during the set so she was really secluded she yeah. didn't really maybe she didn't get really into the universe as much as she should have I think being with other she actors learned maybe she,
2: she learned Elvis she she learned totally it. no she, she did, did her fully. work for sure she definitely she, she,
1: got into it
2: no no but I mean like she did her work and she's,
1: she's great but she had nobody to play off of that much um, she didn't have that friendship like the fellowship actually became in real life so the comra- camaraderie wasn't really there for her maybe that's why she felt like she felt kind of like, I don't know, dispensable to me in the movie, but that's just me.
2: I disagree, I loved her in the movie. Um, I can't see, I mean, I, I could see someone else playing her, but I, I just, I didn't have any problem with her as much as I did with Legolas. Um, Legolas was really the sore thumb where, I, I mean, I can't see anyone else as Legolas because Orlando Bloom played him for so many movies, but I just don't care about him as much. He's more- just- I, haven't, I,
1: I- I have a bigger problem with Legolas in the Hobbit movies, just because he came in and took all the cool things away from all the dwarves.
0: I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of problems with the Hobbit movies. (laughs) Yeah. I, I see, I, I think Legolas doesn't bother me as much, even though the performance is not good because Legolas has much less to do in this version of the story where Arwen is like, you need to carry more of the load. And she like, she's fine. But she's she's it's very much square peg round hole for me, and I'll I mean, Derek, did you have any more uh, in the, the recasting? No, it's kind of it. You can go ahead. Okay, so I again I think, I think having yeah we, we talked Fossbender is I had one for today and one for if I was casting back then, and you know today was Fosbender as Aragorn, and in two thousand one. I was thinking, like, I was going through like, who could have played Arwen that I think would have done a a better job. And I think maybe is, and I don't think Liv Tyler's a bad actress at all. I know people do rag on her a bit, but like I said, she's great in uh, The Leftovers. It was a show on HBO. She's excellent in it. The Strangers, I I like her in a lot. She's a great actress, so I'm not shooting on her by any means. I just don't think she was 100% right for the role. I just
1: hate Aerosmith, so fuck her. Fair enough. She's a really great person though. <laughs> I'm just playing. I actually like her. I'm just playing.
0: <laughs> I thought, what if it was Rachel Vice?
1: Hmm. Interesting choice. Because, I mean, I could picture with I picture with Elf ears for sure.
0: Yeah, because she has that, especially back then, she had that like elven look. You know, and, right. And, and I think she I think she would have committed herself to the role as, as much. She, She's kind of short though, isn't she? She's short put her in fucking high heels like, like you can you can figure it out
1: you, yeah
0: yeah right. but yeah you think lord of the rings is gonna have a problem with changing somebody's height derek
1: it would be distracting if no, I were going like a three feet yeah that's literally at.
0: that's literally like that was gonna be
2: my gold medal what they, what they do
0: to scale, to scaling it's a mark henry situation it's like we, we need you to make somebody look taller or shorter it's like yeah that's what i do
2: <laughs> what <Wow>. a reference <laughs> My recasting for Frodo would be James McLevoy. Um, He's a much stronger actor than Elijah Wood. Frodo in the books is older. Mm, And the Hobbits, he's one of the oldest Hobbits. And I was looking at a lot of uh, videos online. I've looked at a few videos for recasting because I'm so bad at finding, you know, just actor names. And and I I just, I get fall in love with the the characters in films. I don't really follow the people who play them as much as I should. Um, but yeah, James McAvoy is incredible. He's a 10 out of 10 actor. He kind of looks hobbity. He, he's older than, he looks a lot older, um, obviously, um, uh, than Frodo in the, in the films. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think he would be perfect.
0: Yeah, he I, I agree. If
2: I, if I was casting
0: Frodo today, that's probably the direction I'd go in. Although it would be weird to have him and Fassbender in the same movie again and just have, right, it, be, right. have it be like, it is funny that it's like there's so many X-Men. Like you have two Mag- – in our recasting, we'd have two Magnetos. We'd have <laughs> Professor X.
1: Hugh but- Jackman is Gimli.
0: <laughs>
1: sure. <laughs> no.
0: I mean, he kind of has the Aragorn look if you dirty him up a little bit. But I, oh, I, I, w- totally. I, wouldn't,
2: I wouldn't do it. Yep. So – And it uh, needs motherfucking Tom Bombadil. Yes, absolutely. Anyone. Just put him in. I'll the I'll play movie. Bombadil.
1: I'm. I'm no, sorry. No, 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 guys, moment. guys, guys, guys. Daniel Day Lewis as Tom Bombadil.
2: Can
0: you imagine the method acting that he would do? <laughs> He'd just be singing everywhere he goes. He just sneezes yeah. and they give him. An I'll author. tell you, what, Daniel Day Lewis as Aragorn, like, at the time. Mm, that, now that you mentioned that name,
1: I'm thinking Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, I think. He's yeah, like I that far. in
0: that late '90s,
2: early 2000s. So who was supposed to play Aragon got got Stuart
0: cut. Townsend, in movie yeah,
2: he was too young right yeah. before. And then they had someone cast for Tom Bombadil, and then they didn't put him in the film. So I agree, though, that uh, was it Viggo Mortensen uh, that played him. He was perfect. He was literally just yeah. living in the woods when they were filming, and just like collecting berries and like just being a <laughs> psycho. Yeah. Um, to get to get to get make become believable in the role, so. I remember telling one yeah. of my friends that I told telling one of my friends I was like, yeah. Did you know that Stuart Townsend was originally
1: Aragorn? They were like the guy from the Who, and I was like, no, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> How about Derek? This is this is up here early. How about the the version that was almost made in the the Beatles version? Yeah.
1: So do you know who was going to play each part? Because I do know that. Um, I, I read I read that it was going to be Paul McCartney would be Frodo.
2: Okay. Uh,
1: Rink- Ringo would have been Sam. Uh, George Harrison would have been Gandalf, okay. and John Lennon would have been Gollum. Um, and Stanley Kubrick was going to direct it. So I don't care what anyone says. I just wanted to see. I would love to see what that would you know what that would have looked like.
0: Kubrick directing is the is the wild card there. Yeah, that's a I wild card. Like, I feel like he could have actually made it good. Whoever the oh cast God. was, yeah.
2: So like I was saying, how uh, Peter Jackson did a he did a great job, but it could have been better. You'd have to get Kubrick. Like Kubrick would have made a better Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Just based on his attention to detail, there would have been there would have been several rape scenes in this very
0: (laughs) interesting. I feel like Cooper could be more like all right, so George Harrison, take three hundred and seven of "You Shall Not Pass." Let's go. Uh, (laughs) Let's. uh, So we here at the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast we recognize that not every movie can be the greatest of all time. Only one can, but I think we do contend that every movie does at least one thing better than any other what let's start with joe joe what does fellowship of the ring do better than what singular thing does it do better than any other movie
2: like i said before attention to detail making things feel a thousand years old by using physical props Mm -hmm. they do it better than everything the closest i've seen to as good was um what was it, 2049? Uh, um, Blade Runner. Blade Runner 2049 yeah. did, I think, a perfect job at that. And that was the first movie I can think of since Lord of the Rings that, like, without really deep diving into all the movies I've seen, uh, Tarantino does a perfect job of putting you in the world. Uh, but I think this movie does a perfect job of that, putting you yeah. in the world. The fact that people are noticing things in the details of sword handles and pieces of fabric and little tiny nuances that were actually there in the 4K versions that just came out. Yeah. And they're finding the Im- it insane. Yeah. insane. The, the amount of
1: helmets and swords they made for extras so you don't even they, see. Yeah, like, they, out, they outfitted multiple
2: armies. It's, it's,
1: it's wild.
2: If you had that amount of attention to make the characters like the characters in the book, these movies would not be nine point something. They would be 10. They would literally yeah. break the scale. Right. Um, but, you know, as long as you're putting all your effort in, amazing. It was more of a visual effort, I feel. But I don't know. It's one of those movies where you're like, oh, don't touch it. It's perfect. But I wish you could. I wish you could go in. Just
0: tweak it. Tweak it a little save bit. The
2: save the Hobbit movies. Like, make them like <laughs> yeah. the book. Make it one movie. I, um, I do wonder,
0: though. I do wonder if it was – if if this happened, there would be a little bit of like George Lucas Itis with uh yeah, with Peter Jackson, considering his more recent output. Like, does he tweak it too much and make it worse?
2: No, not him. Get someone else to tweak it. Someone yeah. <laughs> someone else to tweak it. Um but uh but yeah, that's my pick. Is the attention right. to detail visually is yeah. insane.
0: So I have um and I'm going to say this for the whole series. It's the best adaptation of a fantasy story to a visual medium, I think. Easily. Ever. Like, I don't think anything's you – know, sorry, Derek, but, like, Game of Thrones did not stick the landing. Nothing comes close to, to – I mean, I, I don't think Harry Potter comes close. I think I like those movies, but they, it Lord of the
1: Rings is on a different level. Listen, Rick. I'll meet you outside at the uh, the flagpole at three PM. Okay, today. let's let's do well, it. No,
2: I agree with you. I agree, with you. I agree with you. Both Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings suffer from something, and it's the believability of this person's here on this part of the world, and now they're here. It's almost like every teleportation device. And both it is, actually
1: Game wasn't of that Thrones bad for a while. The first few. The first few seasons weren't that bad for that but then later on Lord Varys was like in Dorn and then he was in Winterfell in like one episode.
0: Yeah, the the I mean this is not a hot take in, in any way but the, the later seasons of Game of Thrones definitely drop the ball. The books oh, are fair. the books are much more logical and like
2: what I don't like about Game of Thrones and it's just my preference I don't think I think Game of Thrones is pretty close to perfect. I think it's incredible. It's just a little gross. Like sure. I don't like goriness in anything. Yeah. So if that's the only reason I'm not insanely tuned in and have read all of game like all of those books, uh Song of Ice and Fire, um because it's gross. <laughs> like I can listen to Lord of the Rings while I'm going to bed at night. The audiobooks are I think the yeah. best thing to come out of Lord of the Rings. I like listening to the books more than reading and more than watching the movies. That's um, funny because I'm the opposite.
1: I think the reason why I like Game of Thrones so much, one of the reasons, w- more than Lord of the Rings, is because it's a little bit more gritty. um yeah. not, not that I like, not that I seek out gore or anything, but I just thought it was a little bit more realistic. Sometimes in Lord of the Rings, sometimes like when you watch Barumir fighting the orokai like he's swinging the sword and the Orcs are falling, and I'm like, how did he hit them
2: so that they fell? It's kind one of one of them gets up, one of them gets up, one of them's dead on the ground, and the the guy who's playing one of the Orcs like gets up like, hey. Hey, are yeah, we done it's, some cutting? It's, <laughs> like, yeah,
1: know? so like Game of Thrones makes it look like, okay, that person was impaled by a sword. Lord of the Rings almost feels like, okay, he hit them in the head with the sword and it hit their helmet and now they're dead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, they're going for different things though. You know, it's it's not everything, right, right. not everything, it's nice when things are very realistic and gory and, and you know, in ways that, you know, a PG-13 movie can't be, but I mean I don't think that would have a place in these movies. It'd be really weird with the themes with the themes of these movies to have like sure. orc blood spurting all over Aragorn like it just wouldn't wouldn't work derek what uh what do you have what's uh what's this one do better than, than- so
1: I, I stand by the sentence and I will for the rest of my life unless something else comes better. I think this is the single greatest high fantasy movie of all time, yeah. I do. I think it's the best of the trilogy, personally. Uh, It struck me in a way that no other movie had. Uh, I think it's the perfect beginning to a trilogy. I mean, there's a a, a few others that I I don't think... I'm not saying it's the greatest first movie of a trilogy, because that's really difficult for me. But as far as high fantasy goes, I can't think of another film that made me feel the way this did.
0: Sure. All right. So let's talk about the Oscars this year. Oh, boy. And, And as always, it's an interesting one. It does win for score... Cinematography, Makeup, and Visual Effects. It is nominated for Best Picture, Director, Adapted Screenplay, Song, Sound, Art Direction, Costume Design, and Editing. So a lot of nominations, comparatively few wins, but still, you have four wins, it's it's big. Let's, no major categories though. Although score and cinematography are close, but let's talk about the, uh, the major categories and let's see if we'd make any changes. I get a feeling we will. Best Picture is won by A Beautiful Mind. Mm, I remember that. Other nominees: Other, you know, a Fellowship, uh, Gosford Park, In the Bedroom, and Moulin Rouge. Hmm. So, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable here putting Lord of the Rings as the winner. I mean, I, I'm gonna agree with you there. Yeah, yeah I mean,
1: well, I, I think I saw a Beautiful Mind, and I, you know, it was good and all, fine. but like, it's fine. Moulin. Moulin, I'm usually, I'm a big fan of musicals. I don't, really, I don't think I've seen Moulin Rouge, surprisingly, but I guess I would say Fellowship wins this category for me. Yeah. I've
2: just, seen- just like Empire Strikes Back changed movies forever. I really think Fellowship of the Ring did the same. It changed, it didn't change as much. It didn't make the popcorn film. Like it didn't, it didn't change it at the same level as Empire Strikes Back, but I think it was another notch in the post I think it was another heavy hitter that would change movies for a long time.
0: I think so because you can now, as a filmmaker, you can now pitch a studio and be like, "Yeah, it's three hours long. It's just like Lord of the Rings. Like it is a, it's a touchstone. You know, you can, you Game can of do that. Wouldn't exist. Would, oh yeah, never. That series the series, or, or the TV
2: show. This th- that series. God, I think God Greenland not not just because how good the books were but because these movies existed and yeah. was, that's I, and how much time passed between a like between that and a successful fantasy.
0: I can almost guarantee you the pitch for Game of Thrones to HBO is like it's like Lord of the Rings with nudity yeah. and gore.
2: Yeah, like yeah. that's
0: that's the pitch for for the TV show at least. Um, so best director, uh, Peter Jackson is nominated as won by Ron Howard for A Beautiful Mind. Other nominees. Ridley Scott for Black Hawk Down, which is a great job directing. Robert Altman, which for Gossard Park, which Altman's always great, and David Lynch for Mulholland Drive, which is really good in a different way.
1: Ooh, I'm yeah. surprised he didn't grab it. David Lynch. Yeah, I, I, Mulholland Drive is just a, its just a mysterious piece of art. Um, i think it it's too, i think it's too
0: weird for best director for the Oscars. i,
1: I guess but i feel like that one makes you think more than anything in this category which again it's just one aspect but very interesting that he got nominated i think he's pretty good in this category yeah.
0: I, honestly like i'm i'm more surprised that he even got nominated and not because it's not a good you know, piece of directing it just like it's it's unusual for them to go that weird for for best director
2: i wish things were more that weird i wish I agree being that weird was was what was in the front ground of of movie making and 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 making all of these shows and all of these universes and yeah. that's why i love wandavision so much is because they're like they're doing that yeah they're doing this that they're, they're going. going they're, they're going weird. for it it's like thank god yeah um because you don't have to you can just keep making movies and keep blowing stuff up and keep giving people what they want kind of spoon feeding them and they're not yeah. Mandalorian is not either. It's you know what I mean? I feel like people are starting to really get what makes something timeless and what what I should th- be made. Yeah. I
0: think we're seeing because we're we're gonna have to reckon with this with movies and with TV post COVID. Because the next few years at least, theatrical movies I feel are going to and there'll be some there'll be some good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I think we're going to see a lot more of playing it safe to try to make up the money they lost this year. I think your really cool, weird stuff is going to be TV, more so than more so than theatrical movies. You'll get like tiny little budget, like weirdo sci-fi movies and, and stuff like that. But I wonder if those are going to be on Netflix. Or those are going to be on Amazon Prime or something.
1: Yeah, th- like there's that. some odd choices. Like I know that for me, like um, and I know a lot of people agree with this, but like the Many Saints of Newark, the prequel movie to The Sopranos. I mean, I was kind of surprised he didn't just make that into an HBO series. Um, especially, I mean, I know he made it before COVID, but I think it would have, especially now, if that came out right now and there was a se- another Soprano series, it would be the most popular thing, literally anywhere, movies and TV. Um, so I think it was an odd choice. I think TV is the future, not movies. It's also enough.
2: very difficult to capture the fire of, of the Sopranos like that. True, yeah. Man, like it, it sounds like yeah, it would be great, but the chances of people shitting on it for not being as good. In, right, right. be
0: like a Godfather 3 situation, is what you're saying. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <it> is, you <laughs> might be setting
2: <laughs> yourself up for failure. Yeah, Sopranos is like an easy A+ easy yeah. it's got some bad episodes it's got a weird season but overall it's 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 as close to perfect as a tv show gets right agreed right.
0: so best director I, I think we're all comfortable in saying that ron howard should
1: not have won i'm going with jackson just for the amount of work he had to do
2: <laughs> dude he was a beast he yeah. just like he he did more in a week than most people yeah. did most people did in two months yeah. like Re- i agree yeah, we all kinds of shit I agree.
0: So best actor. I mean, it would be if someone were to be nominated from this movie, it'd be Elijah Wood.
1: Yeah, I guess you have to kind of go with Elijah Wood here because there's no other actor in the movie. Because Frodo carries the whole story in the, in the first movie. Um, yeah. Sam's so you kind the of hero, have to go though. with Elijah. Huh?
2: Sam's the hero, though. Sam's, oh, yeah. no,
1: for sure. Sam is definitely the hero. But I think as far as like because I think as far as screen time goes, I guess you'd go with Elijah Wood. Yeah. As 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 as, I don't think he wins, but I think he gets nominated. Yeah. Did he get nominated?
0: Well, no, he didn't. So here are the nominees. So the winner was Denzel Washington for Training Day. Uh, Okay. Russell Crowe is nominated for Beautiful Mind. Sean Penn and I Am Sam. Oof. Will Smith and Ali and Tom Wilkinson and In the Bedroom.
1: What was that oof for?
0: For Sean Penn and I Am Sam. It's fantastic. Do Do you mean the (laughs) performance that is? mocked later by uh by robert not, johnny it, jr and um, oh yeah
1: it's mocked yeah. in a script big deal it's still a great performance yeah
0: and, because it's like an inside hollywood joke that it's like
1: uh, i don't know i think i think i i've seen sean penn in colors where he's like a fucking badass cop like a piece of shit he, go, he is a versatile actor to yeah, see him play fine. this part unbelievable
0: fine i i I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the performance um great and other stuff like sean penn uh, I guess
1: we're fighting no, twice this week.
0: I guess so. So fight, <laughs> fight one is at noon. Fight two is at one. So let's <laughs> two, two fight on the car, Why don't they schedule two fights so close to each other? Yeah. I, I don't know that we can we can throw Elijah Wood in this category. I don't know. I mean, if, if anyone wants to make the case, I'll listen. But I, all right, so
1: I, I, I I'm good. I'm good here. I think he yeah. did a great job. But I'm I'm good here and nominating him. Okay, this uh, is an ensemble piece.
0: Yep. So. Best actress. I don't think anyone would really qualify. No. Best supporting actress. Uh, I mean, anyone to make the case for
1: Kate nah. Blanchett
0: or Liv Tyler? Or- it's
1: just they're, they're too small of roles. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put either one of them in the in any category. Sure.
0: Okay. So here's the interesting one. So best supporting actor, Ian McKellen. Uh, actually, oh, I missed this in our, our rundown here. Ian McKellen is nominated for best supporting actor. He uh, does not win. Best Sporting Actor is won by Jim Broadbent for Iris. Other nominees are Ethan Hawke in Training Day, Ben Kingsley in Sexy Beast, and uh, Scumbag John Voight as uh, Howard Gosell in Ali. Scumbag <laughs> uh,
1: John
0: Voight.
1: Uh, yeah. uh, come on, McCallum wins that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I agree. Here's the other question, though. Is there? Do we want to put somebody else in, from the movie into this yeah, category I mean, as well? Yeah,
1: I, I, th- I think Sean Bean deserves a spot, personally. Um, but I guess that's up for debate. I mean, um, I I think he's so I, fantastic in this movie.
0: I mean, I think you could you could make a case for Sean Bean. You could make a case for Vigo Mortensen. You could make a case for for Sean Astin. I feel like as well.
1: Yeah, maybe I, I think Sean Astin does a whole lot more in the other and the Yeah,
0: a strong, stronger case you, in the so, next If
2: one. you were, if you were saying the whole, all that the whole trilogy, who is the greatest actor in all of the movies? It's absolutely Andy Serkis. Yeah. Um, better, better than anyone. Period. But I don't. How much is, is he? He's not even in. Uh, he's barely in this one. Yeah, he's not yeah. in it enough. Yeah, yeah. he's barely. He's like, it only.
1: He's only in about fifteen minutes, maybe of *Return of the King*, as if I recall correctly. Maybe it may be longer. Never mind. He disappears in the in the bulk yeah. of the movie.
0: Yeah, but I mean, two towers. I I think it's almost like unforgivable that they didn't nominate him because right. they were just like yeah. we don't under we don't understand this. Yeah, like it, it, that's that's like one of the the all-time oscar snubs well, well i yeah, remember it was, was like were, pe- pe- the best. yeah
1: people were comparing like oh who's better Gollum or dobby because that came out the same year uh, Cambridge uh, secrets the, the worst and character I think he's in the, the
0: entire harry he, potter series dobby. He's, the,
2: he's the worst character when he when he died i literally was in the theater like caring.
0: i was i was i was psyched as well yeah
2: oh peter jackson when that scene where he walks by eating the carrot <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right that's really so a that's funny reference i believe saying like what's up doc like i think he had the carrot for a reason Alright.
0: So Derek, uh, now's the time. Now's the most important part oh, right. of the show. I'm gonna throw thirty seconds on the clock and you're gonna describe to us why Fellowship of the Ring is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, gonna be are you are you ready?
1: Never, I'm never ready for the segment. Too
0: bad we're going anyway. Three, okay, two,
1: one, go. This is the greatest high fantasy film of all time. This starts off one of the greatest trilogies of all time. Whether or not you like fantasy, you can't help yourself being enthralled by the characters, the story, the cinematography, the music, the action sequences, uh, just the, the the beauty of every scene that's shot. Um, it's just fantastic all the way through. Uh, it has a cliffhanger, which makes you want to watch the second one even more. Uh, I recommend this movie. This is one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, I'm not just saying that because this is our podcast, but it's true.
0: All right. You've all, almost 30 seconds on the dot. Woo! Uh, so good Goes job by fast. there. All right. so that was lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring
1: and we've that- really touched the surface of this movie <laughs> oh yeah
0: go, go watch the movie what are you, what are you doing i i literally this is one of those movies i watch every year this is a yeah. this is a once a year movie for me
2: along with the with the other the other two in the series listen to the audiobooks i listen to them every week like i just always have them on i just fall asleep to it robert Inglis um, is one of the best storytellers like like just um, just him reading Tolkien's work is insane. It's just perfect. Couldn't be anyone better, and I think it's the best aspect of Lord of the Rings is the audiobook versions. It's just, right. I'm going to be listening to those for the rest of my life. Excellent. So, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. Yep.
0: Other than Lord of the Rings That's audiobooks, do you have anything to plug?
2: Um, I have a podcast called "You Got to Hear This." Um, uh, where we talk about music, we we record it every Sunday and put it out every Monday. Um, you can find it on my Instagram. Uh, I have a project I'm putting to, putting together called Narrowcast um, that we're waiting on mixing masters of two songs, and then we're going to put that out. So uh, yeah, just look out look out for my music and and check out. You got to hear this podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Check it out, and I'm sure you can find it in the same place as you can find this very podcast, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use, check it out and check our past episodes out as well. So that was this week. Let's look towards the future. And Derek, next two episodes are going to be a Rex pick and then a Rick's pick. So you chose the category. What was the category you chose? Uh, I chose the 60s. A film from the 60s. Movies from the 1960s. A very interesting decade that we've only touched on once before. So what did you choose for next? What is next week's episode?
1: Ooh, I get to go first.
0: You go first. It's your category. You go first.
1: I'm flattered. I chose the 1964 classic A Hard Day's Night, uh, which is The Beatles, uh, my favorite band of all time. And this movie is close to my heart. It's so much fun. A lot of English humor. You probably won't get half of it, Um, but it's still hilarious, and I'm really excited about this.
0: All right, so I went a different direction, and for a movie called The Greatest Movie of All Time, there is one person we have not mentioned at all on the podcast, and I'm disappointed in myself, and that person is Alfred Hitchcock, Mm -hmm. and I have chosen a movie from... The year of our Lord 1960, and that is Psycho. So, and this next, is
1: starring this is starring the classic Vince Vaughn. I'm just kidding.
0: It's yo, yes, guy. absolutely. Yes, the <laughs> Vince Vaughn version. And Hayes is in it. No, uh, no, it's the 1960 version starring Anthony Perkins. So, uh, this is going to be quite the uh, quite the back to back. The 60s were uh, an interesting decade, obviously, and we're. Uh, it-
1: Yeah, we're going from an English comedy to uh, an American horror. Going to be interesting. That's that is true.
0: That is true. So, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us this uh, this week. We've uh, happy to have you listen. Hope you're enjoying the show. I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso.
1: and I, your co-host, Derek the Wreck Smith.
0: All right. Thank you so much, and keep watching, everybody. Oh, and Joe is with us too.
2: And your guest. (laughs) And I've been your guest.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have, have, Have a good one. Keep watching.